Are any of you visual learners? Yes. All right, good. So we have been in this series, as you know, on, for King and Country. And I'm going to do a little elaboration on a message that I love to do overseas, but we're going to take it a little bit different direction. It is one of the most simple, powerful teachings on the kingdom. And uh, so I'm standing right now. I'm standing under the domain of the kingdom of God, all right? So this, is, this represents the kingdom. And, uh, and how many of you know we want to live right here? Because this is where the, the, the banner over us that God has established, the banner of his kingdom, the banner of his provision. How many of you know when you're living in the realm of the kingdom, the Bible says, seek ye first the and all these things will be added unto you. All right? So how many of you know our, our provision, our needs, all that we need in Christ is, is met for us in the kingdom? And I told you before, you can be born again. And when you die, you're going to heaven someday. Any of those in the room here today? But you still don't understand the king or the kingdom, and so you can live outside of the blessings of the king. You're living like a pauper, even though you're going to heaven, because you don't understand what it, what it looks like to live in that dimension, all right? So I need to have, I need God to join me on the stage today. Uh, it's God out there today. Jay, can you be God this morning? You knew I was going to call on you. Okay. How many know those are big shoes to fill, to, be, to fill the shoes of God? All right. But, but you're, you're doing a good job. I had to pick a handsome guy with the same. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand on, on this step right here. So go ahead and let's pop up that. Well, first of all, let me just say this. My goal in the next two weeks is to move us from understanding the kingdom to how about moving in the power of the kingdom. Because I shared with you, it, it's not enough just to um, understand about Jesus and what he's done for us. The cool thing about the kingdom is we've been called to join our Father in setting people free and doing the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. How many of you would say that's kind of a stretch right now in your life? Like Jesus did some pretty amazing things. And let me just say this. A lot of times people badmouth, if you came from like an evangelical conservative fundamental church, you probably heard a pastor badmouth experience. Like, experience doesn't matter. All that matters is the Word of God. Let's apply that to brain surgery. How many of you know when you're getting ready for brain surgery, you don't care how many books that the doctor read? You're asking one question. Have you ever done this before? <laughs> Now, you know that doctors should read books on the brain and how it works, but when you're laying on the table, that's only one piece of the puzzle. Is this making sense? So let me just pop everybody's bubble here. Who cares how many books we read at the end of the day, including the scriptures, if we don't have the power to set people free or to lead people to the gospel, to Christ? So, so please hear me. Yes, you got to read the book. And you got to know the book. And you got to love the book. And you got to meditate on the book. And you got to memorize the book. But you got to do something with the book. And so at some point, and here's just true confession, when Jesus is moving and healing sick people, and then he says, freely you've received, go freely, give it away. At some point, you got to pray for a sick person. I mean, I got to say this again. You got to pray for sick people. And, 
and you got to expect that God wants to work through you to heal sick people. And we're singing about being free from oppression and all these things. At some point, you got to know how to pray for someone who's oppressed and see the power of God flow through you to touch an oppressed person. This is when it gets fun. All the other stuff is like the football team that stays in the locker room for the entire game. Because the coach is saying, here's the plays, guys. It's going to be so great. Game over. You never left the locker room. The other team was out waiting for you, waiting for you to beat them, but you never left the locker room. But you kept going over the playbook over and over and over and over and over again until the clock ran out. How many know the clock is running? The clock's running. How many know you only got one life to live? By the way, I did some funeral planning. Not that I'm planning on going anywhere, but that song, In Christ Alone, I said, Marion, make sure that's at my funeral, all right? That is an amazing song. But how many of you know the clock is winding down? I want to make the most out of my life. How about you? And so I want to learn how to live in the presence of the king so that the anointing of the king can flow out of my life and that the power of the kingdom, I want to live in this realm so that I can live a powerful, God-aligned life. And at the end of my days, there are people in heaven because I chose to show up. How about you? There are people who have been encountered by the presence and power of Jesus because I chose to be a disciple of Christ and I chose to be a learner. So let's, let's go to the, first of all, now, when I, I chose this, this guy to be God because how many of you know the father is a happy father? Yes. Make, sure you, make sure you smile this whole time. <laughs> and he's, he's, a, he's a cool cucumber. In other words, God's not freaking out. I mean, you know, God's not biting his nails now or ever. God's not sweating the details. He's large and in charge. We're talking about the right God, all right? So that's, that, that, this is God, all right? And let's go to the verse up there, Colossians chapter 1. This is from the Amplified. The Father has delivered and drawn us. Isn't that beautiful? We sang about this morning. God delivered us and then drew us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So just a little bit by way of review. How many of you know we were born outside of the kingdom? Right. We were in darkness. We were in bondage. Yeah. We were in the kingdom of darkness. And God drew us to himself and plucked us out of that kingdom. And I want you to see this. And he brought us close to him. God calls himself a father because that's what he is. He doesn't save you to use you primarily. He saves you for himself to enjoy you, and then he invites us to join him. So how many of you know the reason God saved you is for this right here? If I'm a son and this is my dad, this is what God saved you for. He's going to enjoy you personally forever. Isn't that awesome? And then I love what it says uh, in the the next verse. It says... uh, Uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood, talking about Christ, and the forgiveness of our sins. Now, go to the New Living Translation. It says, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so notice the Father, first of all, he delivers us and brings us into his kingdom. He draws us. How many of you know nobody out here was pursuing God? But God was pursuing you. You're in the kingdom because God chased you down, not because you were chasing him down. Praise the Lord. So we've been delivered and drawn. 
And then two things Jesus does. Jesus forgives and frees. Now, this is really, really important. When he brings us close to himself, I'm staying, I'm abiding with him, he speaks the word of forgiveness over my life. Aren't you glad the Father has forgiven you of all your sins? Uh, and he separates you from them as far as the east is from the west. But how many of you know that if we stopped at forgiveness, we would simply stop at the cross and our slate would be clean? How many of you know having a clean slate is a good thing? Yes. But it's not the best thing. Because you could have your sins washed away only to stay in bondage and go replicate them over and over and over again. So the power of the resurrection and the power of the ascension, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, not only guarantees our forgiveness, but it promises us freedom. Now, we were just at starting point. I won't mention who it was, but I was incredibly amazed at just the humility and the self-awareness. I was encouraging some people at starting point last Sunday. I said, man, isn't it great that we get to do the stuff that Jesus did? And this gentleman said this as sincerely as, as he could. He said, you know what, I'm excited to do that. But he goes, I really believe God brought us here because we need to get free. Amen. I, was, I was stunned. Church is not a place where people are used to confessing the fact that they still need freedom. Church is a place where we all pretend like we're cool. And we share, we share why we are more important than somebody else based on the past titles that we had. But God doesn't care about titles. And sons and daughters really shouldn't care about titles. They should be concerned about one thing, being free. And let me ask you this question. Who in this room knows better about whether or not they're free or not than you. How many of you, if you pause right now and you just ask the Holy Spirit, am I free? The answer for probably 99.9 .9 of us should be no. Because how many of you know there's more freedom than we're currently experiencing? But the one thing we all have in common is we're all are broken. And so it takes incredible humility to recognize that God brought me here. Yeah, he wants to use me, but first of all, he wants to free me. So can I just encourage everybody in this place, this is a safe place to get free. Which means that closet that you have with all the stinky stuff in there that you think nobody else has, everybody's got that closet in their house. Some people have a whole house full of closets like that. And so... The devil will lie to you to get you to think that somehow you're the only one with that stuff. But that's the lie. We all got that stuff. And so what you should say is, you know what, I'm not just content with being forgiven. I really want to press in to the fullness of what Jesus died for my life. I want to maximize my life for the glory of God. And so we're constantly learning. We're constantly pressing in. But the key is staying in this place right here. So, I mean, you know, it takes getting used to our new home. Like, I used to live in a pigsty. I used to live, when I was in the world, I lived in a pigsty. It was filthy. I lived in a POW camp. And then God the Father saves me and gives me the set of keys to the kingdom. Woohoo! Yeah. And now I'm living in a new home, but everything's different. How many know when you get born again, everything changes? 
and you have the keys to your new abode, and the father's there instead of Satan, the slave master. You now have an amazing father who loves you. And I love this verse in the Bible. It says, uh, he brought me to his banqueting table, his banqueting place, and his banner over me is love. Isn't it great to be standing under the canopy of the king and the kingdom with the father's arms around you, knowing that you are a beloved son or a beloved daughter? How many of you know, this is, my, this is the foundation of my relationship from the second my eyes open. Even before my eyes open, this is the relationship. The Father looks at you while you're sleeping and adores you and loves you and thinks great thoughts about you. And he doesn't base it on your past performance. He bases it on his son's performance. How many of you know that you'll never find a better performance than Jesus? 100% pass the test. And so you begin to learn that you don't have to be religious anymore, and it's not about your performance, that the Father just gave you keys to live in his house. But you got to get used to it because everything is different. I have to learn how to live in this new realm under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and I have to live under my Father's direction, and I have to, I have to do some things. First of all, I have to realize uh, I'm no longer an orphan. Isn't this great? Like, I have a dad, and my dad loves me very much. And nothing I can do will change his unconditional love for me. This is freeing right here. Um, I have to begin to renew my mind because my mind constantly tells me that God's mad at me. He's disappointed at me. I'm not doing it right. I need to work harder, pray harder, serve harder, witness harder, 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 harder. And I, I, I still am operating from an orphan spirit. I'm still waiting for God to get mad and reject me. And the good news is he has no plans ever of rejecting me. Nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ. But I have, to, I have to get it deep from here down into here, and I have to renew my mind because I have to change my identity because I was born an orphan, and it's really hard to stop acting like one. You know, orphans never think there's going to be enough because they were raised in deprivation. Orphans never expect anybody to be around long because everybody close to them has left them. And so when you get born again and you live in the kingdom, you have to fight all of these lies that keep going over and over in your head. I have to relearn how to respond to situations with godly emotion. Wow, isn't this a big one? So check this out. You know, we get saved, we're living in the kingdom, woo! If you can imagine, all of you have this beautiful banner over your heads right now. We're all under one big canopy of God. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and I get offended. Pastor Dick, how dare that person? I can't believe they treated me that way. Oh, my gosh. And do you notice where I am right now? I'm having a pity part. I'm, ha I'm having an anger going off inside of me. Arr! Now, listen, if I would have dropped out of a heart attack right now, where am I going? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I am saved. But my emotions have not learned how to live with the king and in the kingdom. And so here's, here's a sign of maturity. I realize, wait, this is the bait of Satan. Anybody read that book? I'm tr he's trying to get me offended. He's trying to get me to grab a hold. No, 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 no. Lord, I bless that person. My beautiful wife, come up here. My, my lovely wife, a little marital illustration here. All right. 
We are saved. We live 30 seconds from church. We are on our way to church. There's only 30 seconds to screw it up, but we do. And we're like, how come you did that? I can't believe that. Oh, I want to I do the cold shoulder thing. And she's like, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, yeah, you got launched out too. Get out of the kingdom. No, no, no. You're right. No, no. <laughs> hey, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. So we're, we're saved. We can even come to church and go, praise the Lord. Hey, I had a great week while we wanted to kill each other out in the parking lot. I know none of you have ever done that. But what happens is the most mature one will say, what am I doing? My wife's not my enemy. This is... <laughs> Hun! Come. Because how many of you know this place right here is a great place to be married and to raise a family. This place, it can still be done. It's just more painful because we're doing it by ourselves. But this is a great place, so what do we do? How many of you know if, if you are forgiven and free, your job for the rest of your life is to forgive and set people free? So I'm just telling you one of the biggest ways to absolutely ruin the blessings of the kingdom are to live selfish lives full of bitterness and unforgiveness and still going to heaven someday. But it's a miserable way to live. Thank you, babe. All right, I need a, I need a single young person to come up here. I'm picking. Kayla, come up. All right. So, beautiful, beautiful. All right. So you're saved, you love the Lord, you're on fire for God, uh, but all of a sudden some, some stud muffin guy comes by kind of waving at you. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you're honest a little bit on the inside, you're like, man, he is cute, and I know he's not saved, and I know he's really probably not for me, but he is so cute, and he's paying attention, and all of a sudden you're, the Lord's saying, trust me, trust me, wait. My ways are better, but you're like, he's so cute. <laughs> and, I, and I want you to see this, all right? So she's out here trying to do it her way. Now, she's going to heaven, but she was praying, oh, God, I would love to meet Mr. Wonderful. So while she's chasing Mr. Non-Wonderful, guess who shows up at church the next Sunday? <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. And he's going, wow, I'm here, what a great place. But she's out chasing Mr. Non-Wonderful because she wants to do it her own way. Wow. Yeah. And she wants to take it in her hands and she wants to make it happen. But she didn't realize God heard her cries. And if she just would have stayed in the kingdom where all of your needs are fully met, I wonder how many people, God's, God sent the answer to your prayer but you were out here in la-la land trying to do it your way instead of being yeah. under the king. And you're like, God, where are you? Thank you. Thank you. So how many of you know I, I have to learn how to respond to situations with godly emotion, not the reacting the way carnal people are, all right? I have to learn the ways of God because the ways of God are not my way. So how many of you know, I, I, can, 
Okay, I'm going me- to mess with your pocketbook. Is that okay? Okay, three of you said that's okay. All right, good. <laughs> How many of you know if you seek first the kingdom, he says all these things will be added unto you. He says to put the Lord first with everything. So I know people, they're like, man, I know what the Bible says about giving, but you know what, man, things are tight. I mean, you know, in the kingdom, things are not tight. How how am I going to have enough? Oh, my gosh, the economy. Who's the president? I'm sorry, that was, I'm so far out of the kingdom, I made a carnal statement. (laughs) But it momentarily made me feel better. All right, anyway. So some people are so out of bounds with their finances, they don't believe God, they're freaking out. Honey, you need to work three jobs, I'll work five jobs, and oh, somehow we're going to make, stop it. Why don't you learn his ways? Yeah. You know, the times, the times in my life when we had the greatest needs, you ready for this? The greatest needs, you know what the Holy Spirit said to do? Give more. Right. What? <laughs> Have you looked at my checkbook? <laughs> Yes, you have. <laughs> and then I start coming to my senses. Yes, he has looked at my checkbook. He, he sees everything. And then I come to my senses and I go, Lord, Father, forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for not listening to you. Forgive me for thinking you're less than who you are. And then I obey the Lord and then I watch the kingdom provision come into my life, sometimes in the most strange supernatural ways. And here's what I want you to see is whenever God does it, this is what happens to my my level of faith. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for your provision because this is what it's all about right here. All right? And in the Bible, the language I'm using just to describe this right now is the word abide. So, I'm telling you, like, how do we move in the supernatural power of God? You have to live in the supernatural presence of God. The closer this relationship is and the more I learn to abide here, the more I can go do what the Father wants done. But if this relationship suffers, then I can't go out and act as a son, a kingdom son. It just doesn't work. Or if my walk, my personal walk with God isn't right, it's not real it's fake, it's phony, it's shallow, then I'm limited. It's not that God doesn't love me, he just wants to grow me. I'm limited in his ability to flow through me. So let's take a look here at this next verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. For as you know him better, wow, as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. That's a great promise, isn't it? He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. Wow. As you get to know him better, he will give you, through his great power, everything you need for living a truly good life. Anybody interested in that deal right there? Wow. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. He says, abiding means basically we live with a profound connection to the heart 
mind and presence of God with his promises. Isn't that good? So the word abide means I'm going to connect my heart, my mind uh, with the presence of God through the word of God, the promises of God. Now, let's take a look at uh, some areas we have to learn to abide in. First of all, we've got to learn to abide in his person. What does that mean? I'm talking about the character of God. Look at what it says. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, God Almighty, he who promised is reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. Reliable, trustworthy, faithful. Isn't that good? Say it with me. Reliable, trustworthy, faithful. That means the devil is going to put a wedge between reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. He will tell you that God really isn't trustworthy. He'll tell you that God really isn't reliable, and he'll tell you that God isn't really faithful. And he'll tell you that a thousand different ways over and over and over again because what he's after is questioning the person of God Almighty. It says our knowledge of the character and attributes of God establishes our heart in faith. This is why the devil will always go after the character of God. So here you are, you're having a great time, man, you're in church, and right in the middle of worship, you get a fiery dart from the enemy in your mind about something. Maybe it's about a child who's not serving the Lord right now. Maybe it's about some trouble you're having in your marital relationship. Maybe it is a financial burden that you came in here with, but the devil shoots that in your mind, and then he, he follows up. It's not just the thought. It's what comes after. God, God doesn't care about that. God, do you? Dad, do you care about this? I, I have been praying for a while, and, and you haven't really answered. And, I, and it still kind of hurts, and I'm still a little bit fearful. Weary. Despondent. Depressed. And the devil just keeps saying, God doesn't care. 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 That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I have to go right back to the person because the attack is on the person. The attack is on my dad. I only got in one fight in school, but I got in a fight because somebody said something about my dad. And it was like, don't talk about my dad. Well, you're an old man. That's all it took. Principal's office from that point right there. <laughs> Can I just tell you, you should have that same sense of righteous indignation when the devil talks about your dad. Like, oh, really? Well, we'll show you. Like when the devil says, God's not going to take care of you financially. Honey, where's my checkbook? Where's my checkbook? It's time to sow some seed. Did you all hear what I just said? There, there, there is a way you fight back in faith. When the devil was speaking death over our ministry at a rough time in our ministry, I'm like, oh, really? That's what you're prophesying. Well, let me tell you the truth. And then you start dishing it back out. Because here's what I'm doing. Oh, you think that about my dad? Well, let me just tell you about my dad. Let me tell you how he rolls. Let me tell you about his power. Let me tell you about his might. Let me tell you about his faithfulness. Oh, yeah? Don't mess with my dad. 
because he's, out, he's trying to create a wedge. If there's a wedge, you just got squeezed out of the kingdom. Now you're on your own. You're fighting it. You're doing it your way. All right? Let's talk about his presence. This is really, really important. Let's go to that verse. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Isn't that beautiful? So picture yourself coming before the Father every morning, raising your voice, and notice, telling God what you need and waiting expectantly. I mean, you know, that's called faith. Look at the next verses. I love this from the Passion Translation. God's glory is all around me. Oh, come on. Put your arms around me, Dad. God's, his wraparound presence is all I need. Look at this. For the Lord, my Father God, is my Savior, my hero, and my life-giving Oh, isn't this good? Do you see yourself like this with God wrapping his arms around you, loving on you? You're safe and you're secure and you're, you're like that little kid in elementary school. That's my dad. That's my dad. He's my hero. He's my strength. He's my source. That's my dad. Or are you like, well, God, I don't really know if you're out there. Uh, trying to believe you. You got some maturity to take place because you keep believing that stupid stuff and you're going to get ripped off your whole life. Go to the next, next slide. Living in the kingdom is all about cultivating a hunger for God's presence. And listen to this, a culture where the Holy Spirit feels at home, where we don't grieve him and we don't quench him. Now, this is huge. You can be in a Christian family. God plaques on your wall. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But if I'm screaming and yelling at my wife and the atmosphere of heaven, which is supposed to be in my home. I just brought the attitude of hell into my house. This is what happened. Why'd you do that? Now, I'm still going to heaven. But that attitude is not welcome in this house. Unbelief. Oh, you know. God says, go work it out. Because in this house, you move in a spirit of faith. Yeah. Amen. Oh, my gosh, you just know how we're going to make it. Oh, uh, bite your nails. Oh, freaking out. There are some people that are Christians who are experts on freaking out about everything. <laughs> there is no resource available to you when you're in freak out mode. Because the kingdom is righteousness. Peace. Say it again. Peace, peace, peace. When you are anxious, that's not peace. When you are fearful, that's not peace. So quickly, you need to have like a bungee cord on you. You're like, how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? It's not my worry. I have a dad who's awesome. Why am I freaking out about these things? You start worshiping, you give it to your father, and the peace comes over your life. Or you're out there stressing out again, you know, all your face. Mm, how are you? Oh, oh. Sometimes you can't even talk. You just grunt like a pig. Oh, oh, oh. How about joy? <laughs> I had a rough week. <laughs> 
I don't want to repeat this one again. <laughs> Woo, that was a doozy. Hallelujah. Sunday's coming. It's a fresh week. I, I'm ready, Lord. Because joy is a much more powerful weapon than depression any day of the week. So, <laughs> the devil lies about God's closeness and his awareness of our every need. Anybody been lying and taking that one? All right. Let's talk about his promises. This is very important. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have treasured your promise in my heart. Isn't that good? There are so many promises about the promises in the Bible. How many of you know God's true to his word? And the devil wants to tell us he's not. And so, and some of us, we've had fathers that walked out. Some of us had fathers that said one thing, did another. In fact, at some level, every human father has failed at some point, right? Not on purpose, but, you know, we said we'd do something, we didn't. And then we carry that over to our heavenly father. Wrong. Every promise of God is true. And someday, even when we don't understand what we thought looked like it wasn't a promise fulfilled, we will go, wow, Lord. We will be in awe of his incredible wisdom and love and goodness. So here's the deal. When you're walking in the dark, keep your mind on the goodness and promises of God. Keep telling the devil who God is because you need to hear it, and it torments him to be reminded of, of who God is. God's promises are his provision, and his promise is the promise to meet all of our needs. How many of you know, every one of you in this room, you're in a safe and secure place? In the kingdom. But the devil will work to convince us that his, God's word is not true and that God's not enough. And so, again, you have to fight to stay in this place. This is a really good place. You know, right now, this is so peaceful right here. It's amazing. I enjoy my dad. He speaks to me and tells me what he wants to do. He lets his power flow through me so I could be his hands and feet. He lets me speak his words. He fills my heart with joy, uh, overflowing joy, the Bible says. Not just enough for me, but enough for other people. How many know if you came here this morning and you are bitter? I mean, just bitter. You will affect everybody around you with the, with the spirit that you carry. You, you will defile people around you. There can be a party going on, but you walk in the room and you're full of bitterness and the party just leaves. Has anybody been the party pooper besides me? You're going, well, pastor, how do you know this? I'm an expert at these things. I have not only book knowledge, I have experiential knowledge. All right? And so do you, so quit laughing at me. That's the truth. Let's talk about the last one. I got to close. His power. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. God's power is the demonstration of his authority over everything. So this is what, what we need to do when we come to church on Sunday and throughout the week. We boast in our dad. Dad, and let me just tell you, it's not irreverent to call the sovereign, awesome king of glory dad. It seems so, so non-religious. That's the point. 
<laughs> it seems so disrespectful. Dad is the greatest name I ever got called by my kids. Are you kidding me? That's the devil again. Oh, you're being, Sam, you're being so irreverent. You were raised better than that, my brother. Come on, you don't call. Shut up, devil. This is why I was saved. So I could be close to dad. And dad wants me to stay close to him. So I keep telling dad how much I love him. I keep worshiping dad. I keep reminding myself how great dad is. And when I'm going through rough, rough times, I look into the face of my father who loves me, who smiles at me. Do you realize that because of Jesus, when you go before the father, he smiles at you continuously? Because it's not your righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. So you're living under the eternal smile of dad. Some of you need to get up here under this umbrella right now, all right? I'm just telling you, you're, go, you're looking at me like, I'm not sure I believe that. Yes, you better start believing it. You're living under the eternal smile of heaven over your life because your father's crazy about you, because of what Jesus has done. And in your roughest time, he wants to tell you this isn't true. That's why I like doing stuff like this. Because you can see me hugging this man right here, who's not God, but he's pretending to be God, and I'm hugging him. And this is what we do in our intimate times with the Lord. This is what we do in worship. Have you ever said, what is worship? Worship is, Dad, I believe all those things about you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Come on. Some of you come into church, some of you come into church and you're like this far from the kingdom. You're like, oh, here we go. First song, second song, third song. Why do they worship so long at that church? To get you all back in the kingdom. And then we get to the last song, and you're like, oh, man, I'm back home. I've been out there in the world. And you're like, I understand. Yeah, I understand. understand. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I hope this is helpful to you. You know, I I have people. I have people that say this, and I really do take it as a compliment, all right? They say, you know, Pastor Ron, I can listen to your messages and understand them because they're so simple. Now, if I were outside of the kingdom, I would say, hey, I know big theological words, and I'm not simple. I'm sophisticated. But God doesn't care about any of that. And I quickly realized simple's a good thing. Because com- compared to the omniscient one, we're all very simple. <laughs> so let's just be simple. But this has been the most incredible picture for me We've, we've preached this message or varieties of it on all the nations of the world. And guess what? Almost every country has an umbrella. And I just grab somebody out of the audience and say, you're God. Hold this umbrella. And then we have a church service. And you know what? People get touched. And then, and then ready for this? Then we move into the demonstration 
of the power that's available when we live properly aligned with the king. And then people get healed. So what I'm trying to do this morning is when we send you all on the mission field, because Dr. Tetz, oh my gosh, I am way over time. I'm having too much fun. Because doc, Dr. Tetzola said, if the bread's kept on the shelf, it's going to rot. It's got to be given to the nations of the world. So I hope you'll bring an umbrella with you and steal this message and use it all over the nations of the world. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless these amazing people. Give them a big bear hug this morning and remind them that you're a great dad. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Have a great day. Love you all.